Let's go straight to the word, guys. This is, uh, yeah, let's just get to it. Hebrews verses 14 through 16. That's where we're going. Y'all know the routine. Amen. 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 I still hear a few pages. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. All right. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most let us pray father I just want to thank you for so much clarity and confirmation over the last couple weeks God, I want to thank you for your presence in this church. Every morning I invite you in here. That's the first thing I do. And I have felt your presence since I walked in the room this morning. I praise you for that. God, I just ask that everyone else in this room feels the same thing that I do. I ask that people today open their minds and their hearts. God, this sermon that you've given me to preach... Father, I just, I need your, I need your help. God, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, that you take all pride, selfishness, lack of courage, fear, anxiety. God, just take that away from me and replace it with two things. I need your boldness and I need your love today, Father. God, I claim these things in your name. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. <clears throat> today we are going to complete the series on Warrior Conversation. Thank you, Lord. We have preached some, some pretty tough sermons, and uh, I'm not going to lie to y'all, it hadn't been a lot of fun. But the thing is, as I can tell you this, I've seen our church grow tremendously through these sermons. I also need you to know, just because we're finishing this series doesn't mean we're not going to talk about some tough conversations, amen? I think y'all know this church well enough to know that. We're not going to shy away from the hard conversations. Ending it today, I saved, I didn't save this for last. Well, I kind of did. I, didn't wanna, I, I, I did not want to preach this sermon. Um, but again, y'all know me well enough. I'm, I'm going to be obedient to what he asked. I'll be honest with you. This, this has been one of the hardest sermons 
that I've ever had to prepare for. I've had a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, but I stand here before you now with full confidence that what I have for you is his word. I was really struggling with this and I actually received some text messages from some different people. I left my phone in the back. I wanted to read one to you, but not understanding this topic. Put the title up there for me, Nick, please. Homosexuality and the church. Not understanding this topic, I've always been the type that if I'm fixing to preach a sermon and there's something that I don't understand, I reach out to people that do understand it, that may be going through it. As y'all can imagine, I was a little concerned on how that would go with this topic. I have sat down with two individuals that I know that are homosexual, and I was blown away by their support and their understanding. It didn't go the way that you might think it would go. I have no doubt that the two that I reached out to and myself, the three of us, have grown through this process. There are a lot of things that I didn't understand that now I understand. One of them texted me, just lifting me up with tremendous encouragement at the time that I needed it, and has been reaching out to me constantly since. I didn't know that I was going to preach this sermon today. I really thought I was going to put it off. I'm leaving to go on vacation next week. I was like, I ain't going to worry about that. I'll just go on vacation. Maybe it'll disappear, you know, who knows. The thing is, is I knew that this was the last sermon that we we're going to preach in this series, and I knew that God wanted me to preach it. And the other thing is, I couldn't go on vacation and think about that all the whole time, right? What I'm getting at, guys, is I am shocked that I could sit down with some individuals that we disagree on the subject that's this magnitude, and we were able to agree to disagree and hug each other and walk away. I don't know why I'm surprised, because here's the thing, God showed up. And some of you might look at me and say, but Michael, when it's a sin like that, how can God show up? I'm fixing to get into that with you guys. Two years ago, my in-laws and myself, our family, and, and Mark and Debbie, we went to Hilton Head, South Carolina. If you've never been to Hilton Head, by the way, it's amazing. You need to go to Hilton Head. It's absolutely amazing. Very peaceful place. But anyway, so we go. We're going to the beach. But Mark had a cousin that lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And he knew the town very well. He actually did tours of the town uh, when people would come in and so forth. I think it was, you know, like the Chamber of Commerce would reach out to him and pay him a little bit of money to go give tours of the town. Well, it was Mark's cousin, so we got to go. And he's showing us the town, and it is an amazing town. A lot of history, beautiful place. And one of the coolest things about Charleston were all the churches. 
there were churches everywhere, old, new, refurbished. It was really cool. And we went to this one part of the town, and we stood there, and his cousin literally said, you can do a 360, and you're going to see a church all the way around. There's churches everywhere. So I did that. I stood in one place, and I turned completely around. And as I was turning, I noticed this one church. It was a smaller it was, it, was, it was white, kind of like our church, just a small white church, but it was a beautiful church. And it was an old look, but it was made new, right? It was like a refurbished, but looked beautiful. Kind of the same vision that we're trying to do here, right? And I saw this church, and I was like, man, that is a beautiful church. I want to go check it out. Well, the rest of the family was kind of going over here looking at something, and I, I grabbed Amanda, and I said, hey, I'm going to walk down here and go look at this church. So I went down there by myself, and as I'm walking to this beautiful church, I can't make out the sign. I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer. And I finally got close enough and I saw that it had a rainbow on it. And I'm blind, so I had to get really close to actually read the sign. It was a homosexual church. The old me from my years past growing up extremely southern would have been angry. I'm looking at this church and instead of anger I get sad and I say, God why do I feel this way? He wouldn't really give me an answer but then I asked him another question and he gave me the answer. I said, God why did you allow this to happen? He said, I didn't. The church did. They had to have somewhere to go. Some people may hear me say something like this and they're thinking, hey, that Christian warrior's pastor, he's inviting homosexuals to the church. That's not the case. I'm inviting all sinners to the church, myself included. I don't care if you're homosexual or straight, I don't care if you're black or if you're white, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, you are welcome in the house of God. I don't care what your background is, I don't care how rich or how poor you are, there is one place you are always welcome at, and that is the house of God. And I stand firm on that with this church, and I will not waver from that. I expect this congregation to do the same thing. I need you to understand in no way am I accepting homosexuality. There are many places in the Bible that tell us that homosexuality is obviously wrong. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is the verses that are usually used, the most common verse for this topic in most churches. The problem is a lot of pastors use this verse to aggressively push their agenda on the topic. I'm going to use these verses today not to express my agenda. We're going to express God's agenda. Amen? Okay. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sin or who work idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes 
or practice homosexuality, verse 10, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing. A lot of pastors, a lot of churches use this verse, and they don't talk about a lot of these other things. All they look at is the very end of verse 9 where it says, if you're homosexual, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what they go to. So they'll ask him a question about homosexuality, and they say, well, just, you know, go to 1 Corinthians, you know, chapter 6, verse 9. It's right there. Homosexuality, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, as we just read through two verses, go ahead, Nick. This is the list of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not just homosexuals that are on this list. Sexual sin. Worship idols. We talked about that a while back, okay? There's a lot of different idols that are out there. If you, if, you're, if you choose a person over God, that's an idol. If you choose to not go to church and do something else on Sundays, that's an idol. Commit adultery, thieves, greedy people, drunks, abusive people, people that cheat, prostitutes, and then homosexuals. Why other churches don't mention the rest of these is because guess what? We all fit in here. Every dang one of us. Every one of us have been in one of these areas. I guarantee you it's happened. You can sit here and say, but Mike, I haven't had sexual sin. I've committed adultery. I've never stolen anything. I've never been a greedy person. I've never been drunk. I've never been abusive. I've never been a cheater towards other people. I've, I've never been a prostitute, but I guarantee you, number two right there, you've done it. I promise you. We all have. We have all at some point in time in our lives chose something over God. Here's how I can prove it to you. How many times that you might feel God nudging you to pray, but you're in the middle of something else that you feel is more important and you ignore it. You just took an idol. It's that simple, guys. We're all guilty of one of these sins, okay? But here's the great thing. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. A number of you know from experience. I, by the way, I took this from the message translation. I don't use it very much. They change it up a little bit. But the thing is, is with this one, it really, really fit this sermon very well. And it also matched up really well to the Living Bible translation. But I want to read this. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Since then, you've been cleaned and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here's what I'm getting at, guys. Yes, from that list, if you're living in those, and you're not changing, and you feel no remorse, and you're not repenting, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not inherit it. You won't. You have to have a heart change. We've talked about this many times in this church. That is true salvation. When you actually change your heart. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to do those things. The difference is, is when you do it, you feel terrible. You feel remorse. You want to repent. But if you do those things that were on that list, and there is no remorse, and there is no repentance, and you just keep walking through life like you're the boss, you're going to see the boss. It's not a good thing. 
we as Christians should always feel that it's not right, correct? And I'm talking about that whole list, guys. Again, we're not singling out homosexuality here. We're talking about the whole list. Amen? The example of this, <laughs> the people that Jesus, okay, everybody, most people in here will know the story, obviously, when the Pharisees brought the prostitute to Jesus, wanted her stone, correct? You know, told them, said she is, uh, she's a prostitute, uh, she's sleeping around, she's doing all these things wrong, we need to stone this woman, she needs to die, this is the old law, this is what we're supposed to do, and of course, Jesus, most of y'all know the story, he has knelt down. He's drawing in the dirt. I got a whole sermon on that, by the way, because I love what he did right there, and I'm not going to ruin it, but it was really cool. I really want to tell you all, but I can't. But anyway, so he's drawing in the dirt, you know, and, and I don't even think, I don't know what he was drawing. He, it could have been a, a, a donkey or a tree. It didn't matter. He wasn't writing anything. That's the thing. He was buying time, and at some point, he finally realized what to say, and he says, any of you that have never sinned, cast the first stone. And the accusers left, Right? But here's the good part. Jesus didn't just look at the woman and say, you can leave. You're good. No, no. He said, go and sin no more. He didn't just save her life. He saved her soul. You see where I'm getting at there? You can't continue to live in sin. And that's what he was explaining to this prostitute. Yes, I've saved your life. Yes, I love you. And I'm showing you grace and mercy above anything. But let's change. Let's have a heart check here. There are many places again in the Bible that show us that homosexuality is wrong. The main verse I always go to is the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Of course, that's where God made man and woman. Uh, he intended that only marriage be between man and woman, only that sex between, between man and woman. That's what he intended. Uh, but the one argument I get all the time is, but Micah, we are under new law. That's old law. We're under new law in Jesus Christ. And Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Okay, this is the argument I get. I cannot argue with that. He never specifically talked about homosexuality, but he also never specifically talked about cocaine or pornography or littering on the side of the road, right? But that doesn't make it right, guys. Just because he's not talking about it doesn't make it right. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, if you tell me that Jesus didn't say it, that's like you telling your child taking a math test that day, hey, you know what? Jesus didn't specifically say that you couldn't cheat on your math test. He said you don't need to cheat, but he didn't say on your math test, so go cheat on your math test. You're basically saying the same thing there. So that argument, just it doesn't work for me. What Jesus did talk about, though, was marriage... In Matthew chapter 19. Here he's talking to the Pharisees and explaining the covenant of marriage. I want to go to Matthew 19 verse 5. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. There's two words there. Man and wife. Man and woman. So Jesus is talking about how marriage and that covenant should be. 
He didn't specifically bring up homosexuality, but he is explaining the plan of life for man and woman and for the covenant of marriage. This is also something that I always have been really thinking about. I mean, I've really, really been thinking about this. And I want to ask you all this question. If Jesus wanted homosexuality to be okay, don't you think he would have said that? If it was okay, I think he would have spoke it. And here's why I think that, because he knows, he knew how big a topic this was. Why would he want us to be in limbo? He would have said, it's okay, if it would have been okay. But the thing is, is Jesus is the son of God, and God set the rules and the standards in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and Jesus is going to follow that, and that's what he preaches. And here's the thing I need you to understand about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. There's no way around that. Jesus Christ is the truth. What he says is solid. Now, this is where the church has gotten it wrong. This is why there is a homosexual church in Charleston, South Carolina. The church has made homosexuals unwelcome. They've made them feel unworthy of God's love. They've shamed them. And they've made them feel unforgiven. They really want you to focus on this one sin of homosexuality. And that's what they try to push to all of the homosexuals is that what you've done is so wrong. And they shame them so much. Why would they want to walk in the church? Guys, that's sad. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness not everything but homosexuality all unrighteousness you know again we all have sin and things that we battle with some of the individuals that struggle with this sin. They know it's wrong. Some of them don't want to be that way. Some of them want to change. To me, that's a heart check. You can say what you want, but to me, that's a heart check. They want to change. They know it's wrong. Take, in no way am I trying to put these two together as they're similar, but kind of I am. Take an alcoholic. An alcoholic knows it's wrong, right? They want to change, some of them. If they're a child of God, they want to change. They don't want to be an alcoholic. But it's hard, right? That drink tastes good. 
makes them feel good. If you're a drug addict, that cocaine makes you feel good. I'm going to take that drag. It's going to make me feel so much better. I can forget all my problems with this. It's the same thing that homosexuals are fighting. It's just a different sin. There is only one unforgivable sin, church. Jesus mentions it in Matthew chapter 12, and that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Besides that, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the only unforgivable sin. There is no unforgivable sin. And I've heard, I've literally heard pastors say that if you're gay, you're going to hell. I've heard them say, I've even heard them say, if you've done it once, you're already messed up. Good Lord, why in the world did Jesus Christ come down here and die on the cross then? I want to show you guys something. This is uh, <laughs> my daughter. Sadie is very crafty. I needed a bar graph. I was going to get Nick to make one and put it on the slide, but this looks better than what Nick can make and put on the slide, right? Amen? Amen. So Sadie made me a bar graph, okay? See, the problem, can y'all see this, by the way? Can y'all see this okay? Okay. See, the problem with the world is that we see sin and we rate sin, okay? For instance, this, this really, you know, pink and white polka dot cute one right here, okay, this tallest one, all right? Let's say this is murder, right? And, and let's take a step below that, and let's say that that is uh, adultery, okay, cheating. And then we'll say homosexuality is right here, right? And then we go down to here, and we'll say that that's stealing. And, and, then, and then this little one right here is it's just bad language, okay? Right? This is how we look at sin, right? Don't we rate it? We're like, you know, we look at it, and we're like, yeah, but I don't do that. I might be, doing, I might be, I might be you know, playing golf and saying bad words, and I don't need to, but, but I'm not up here murdering anybody, right? See, this is how we look at sin as the world, and especially as the dadgum church, okay? But you see, here's the thing, guys. God's up here, right? And he's looking down on sin, and this is how he sees it. It's all the same to God. We rate it. He doesn't rate it. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All. Y'all give my daughter a round of applause. She's very talented, just like her father. Very talented. Very talented. We as the church are to love people the way that Jesus loves people, right? We are to see people the way that Jesus sees people. This is a prayer that I pray daily. God, let me love people the way you love them. God, let me see them the way you see them because I ain't seeing them that way. I, I'm, I, this one done made me mad. I don't see them like that at all. I just won't give them a black eye. But God, I know you wouldn't do that. So I need you to, I need you to show me. What do you see in this person? Because right now all I see is anger, right? Like that's all we see. Guys, constant prayer. Constant prayer. God, let me love them the way you love them. Let me see them the way you see them. Can you imagine the church if it was that way? Powerful. Powerful. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 
Anyone who does not love does not know God. God is love. And then, of course, Jesus commanded it to us in John chapter 13, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. I want you all to think about it. I was just telling you the story about the prostitute. We went to uh, Branson um, a few weeks back, and we got to go see the play Jesus. By the way, if you ever get a chance to go to Branson, go to the, I think it's called Sight and Sound Theater or something like that, but oh, go watch Jesus. I, I mean, it was oh, so good, so good. And what I love about Jesus, he's my Jesus. Like, like this Jesus was, was giving his disciples high five and like slapping them on the butt and like visiting with them and cutting up with them. Like, that's my Jesus, right? Like, my Jesus is not this stone cold dude that you see in pictures all the time. My Jesus is laughter and love and fun, right? I, you, you cannot get 12 disciples to follow you for three years if you're a stick in the mud. I'm sorry, you can't. You're not going to get thousands of people to come listen to you preach if you're not a good preacher. You know Jesus had an amazing personality, right? Amazing. So anyway, you get to watch this play and you're seeing all that. Well, they had the part with the prostitute that was going to get stoned. And before he even said a word to her, hmm, he grabs her as dirty as people thought she was, as nasty as people thought she was, and he grabbed her and he hugged her and he loved her. That's what we're supposed to do. It doesn't matter the sins that people bring into this church with them. We are supposed to love them. That sin doesn't matter. We're supposed to show them that that sin, we can forget about that sin. Let's go repent. Let's go have a heart change. And let's just continue to push towards God and continue to push towards your walk to where you get closer and closer with God. That way your testimony is something great for somebody else that walks through the door a year later that needs the same thing you needed. That should be our goal every day as the church. I think about, you know, people talk about this with, with homosexuals, and, but I think about all the wrong I've done and how dirty I am and how there's some people to this day that look at me and say there's no way. But you know what? All I feel is God's love. That's all I feel. When I don't feel love from anyone else or anything else, I can always feel that love from God. No matter how dirty and nasty you are. Amen? I want to show you one more illustration. I had to hide these because I didn't want Zaire to see them. These are 220s. <laughs> I was going to get hundreds, but your pastor's poor. So we got 20s instead. You see, this is also kind of how we look at sin. You know, you, you take money, they look the same, right? Let's consider this two people. This one has lived a, you know, what they call a great life. Trust me, this one is sin too, I promise you. But this one's lived a better life, right? This one over here is a homosexual. They're a thief. They're a murderer. Adulterer. If you're at the grocery store and you're going through and you're getting change and the lady at the counter says, hey, guess what? I, I'm going to let you choose between these two 20s. Which one do you want? Most of us are going to choose this clean one, right? This clean one, it's crisp, it's new. We don't want this dirty one. 
These are both the same value. In God's eyes, it's still 20 bucks. Amen? By the way, I didn't get that from anybody. I thought of that myself. <laughs> Stick that in your Christian pipe and smoke it. I thought of that one. Now, I want to end by speaking to the people that are struggling with this sin. Me and you are no different. I need everybody that struggles with this sin to understand that your pastor and you are no different whatsoever. I am tempted every single day with sin. But I need you to understand temptation is not the sin. Acting on the temptation is the sin. Jesus was tempted for 30 days. He just didn't act on the temptation. Understood? You can be tempted all day long just because you're tempted and those thoughts cross your mind. That's not the sin. The sin is get it. If, if you don't get it out of your mind, if you go down that path, if you try to walk into sin itself, that's the sin. Stay away from the temptation, fight the temptation, and you're not sinning. See, a lot of people get that mixed up. Their anxiety kicks in and they're like, but I've got all these thoughts. Well, guess what? Welcome to Christianhood. You don't think Satan's not going to attack you like that? Come on. I love how people think, man, I'm saved and I'm baptized. And man, now I'm just going to walk in grace and mercy and sunshine. And everything's going to be great. And yeah, I got news for you. I'm, I'm finna scare my boy Jimmy's getting baptized today. I'm finna scare the heck out of him. But it gets tough. It gets tough. And the reason why is because Satan's scared. He's scared of you. He sees what you can do. So he's going to attack you more and more that way, okay? Just don't act. Again, don't act on that temptation. The last thing, again, I want to leave you with is there is a difference in fighting sin and living in sin. There's a difference in these two. And you have to understand this before you leave today. And I'm not talking about just homosexuals, by the way. I'm talking about all of us. If you're living in sin... If you know it's wrong to do the things that you're doing, but again, you continue to do it, you are going to fall out of God's favor because you're not walking on the path with God. You're walking on a whole different path. If you stay on the path with God, therefore you stay in his favor. Therefore, you're protected. Y'all following me here? I got like five Christians like, yeah, Mike, I get it. Don't live in sin. Don't grab that temptation and run with it. Continue to fight it. Fight the good fight, right? Fight the good fight. And don't let Satan or anybody else in this world bring you down to that temptation. Amen? Grab a pen and paper. Get y'all to write this down. getting better. It's only 11.15. Bojo would be proud. He's on vacation. He's not here. Shame on him. <laughs> He's watching right now, too. Love you, Bo. He's at the dang beach. Like, I mean, really? Like, how that's messed up, right? I'm going to the beach next week. I don't want to hear nothing about it. We obey God's law not to be loved, but because we are loved by Jesus Christ. That's why we obey his law. That's why we 